lofty. That's I'm getting a, I'm getting walls. My wife is getting walls put up, so that's the knocking. If you hear that in the background. Oh, you're good, man. I don't hear it. Okay. Getting walls put up. What yes. are you doing? Like plank walls? I didn't ask any questions. I just wrote the check. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's great. Are we live? Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. Call for lobby. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show showdown edition presented by No House Advantage. I'm Dave Lochran. Bringing you uh, a little weak closer here, but put the uh, close the chapter, open up a new one, which we'll do on Thursday, but really tomorrow with the first look. But first, it is Monday night football, Seattle Seahawks, Washington football team. We're here to break it all down. Along with me, as always, Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski on Twitter and Alex Brown, former defensive end for the Chicago Bears at Alex Brown 96. AB, what's up, man? Not much, man. How was the holiday? Good? Good. Yeah. You have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Well, it, it was good. Once I got back at like 11 o'clock, I had to do the Bears games. I was traveling to Chicago on Thanksgiving. That part sucked. But it was a lot of people. So a lot of people traveling. Are you, do you drink on occasion? Um, every now, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I figured you couldn't really do much on Thanksgiving because you were traveling and everything, but your right. bears, your bears got to win. I mean, it was an ugly game. What was oh. it like 14 or 16, 14 or 14, 13, but they got the W. See, I keep telling the bears like faithful that if you bring your expectations down, see, that was a hell of a game for me. See, my expectations are down, so that was a hell of a game. I'm taking it. I'm running with it. I Look, as an Eagles fan, we scored one touchdown all game. If we had scored and and, and Jalen Rager, Matt, hadn't dropped that pass, dropped two, it would have been game-winning passes. I'd have been like, well, I, you know, AB's right. I would have lowered my expectations. I had 14-13 win over Danny Dimes and the, and the Giants, but a win's a win, and a loss was a loss, and yesterday was uh, yet another crazy slate of football, man. Yeah, it was. We continue to see these crazy slates. Jalen Rager, I mean, we could mm. kind of rationalize away the rookie year because of injuries, but now the sample's getting larger. And, man, I, I just don't know if he's it. A lot of people like to play the, the Justin Jefferson versus Jalen Rager game. I've been a long time, like, Jalen Rager, I guess, sympathizer. And I think it comes down – like, the argument is you just want as many shots as you can at these first-round receivers. And at best, they're, like, 50% hit rates to begin with. So like Justin Jefferson over Rager, I think you could defend that decision just because like these guys are all 50% boom bust kind of players. But I mean, the Eagles are now just there outside of Devonte Smith, their sample of these first round receivers busting is just getting larger and larger. So I don't know, maybe it's something with the decision makers and talent evaluators. It is. And not even just first round, like JJ Ortega Whiteside on a year where they had some really good options to choose from. Right. So DK look. Metcalf, if I'm not mistaken. Metcalf, um, there were that more. That was the McLaurin, McLaurin year. Like, there was McLaurin. a lot of good, yeah, a lot of late. We'll talk about McLaurin today. A lot of good late-round receivers that year. It was one of the deepest classes in memory. Yeah, no question. And Terry McLaurin, like you said, on this slate, they opened as one-point favorites. <clears throat> it's moved now. They're one-point dogs at home. But it should still be an interesting game. I mean, A.B., when you look at this spot, and we're going to dive into all of this, when you look at this spot, like the the backfield for for Seattle just keeps getting more banged up. Rashad Penny's out, Homer's out. So you've got guys like Alex Collins and DJ Dallas who just stole a ton of work last week. And on the other side, you're we should be getting Logan Thomas back today. That's significant. But is this is this game one that poses some shootout potential, or do you see this more being a slower, uh, lower scoring game? No, I, I think uh, in order for Seattle to win, they're going to have to win it through the air, honestly. Um, but I think that plays right into what Washington does well, and that's with their D-line and getting after the quarterback, even though their star um, defensive end is out. Uh, but he wasn't doing a whole lot um, in the when he was there. But since he's, been out, since he's been out, they've been doing really well. I think they've been getting after the quarterback pretty good, uh, whether that's pressure, getting the sacks, getting him to the ground. 
uh, it will be Russell Wilson throwing the ball all over the place. And then you got Heineke on the other side who is just, he's been up and down, I think, but the past couple of weeks, I mean, he's been doing pretty well. He's been uh, keeping them in the game, keeping offense balanced. Um, it very well could be a shootout. Neither defense is playing great, I'll say. If I'm going to lean towards one, it's not going to be Heineke, um, even though he's been playing well. I'd look for Russell Wilson to bring a little more magic back. Um, that's what I would be uh, looking for tonight. David Oliver, or Oliver, Oliver, I don't know. David, hey, what's up, man? Says Someone yesterday said it's a Doyle day, and he hit. I had a lot of Doyle, which just so happened, Matt, that in all of those Doyle lineups, I either had like Christian McCaffrey, that was horrible. Uh, Miles Sanders, who averaged over seven yards per attempt but didn't get the football. There were a lot of busts on yesterday's slate, man. Yeah, you needed to go almost entirely contrarian. Most of the chalk just flat out busted. And I think ways to avoid that were, you know, just paying down at running back. If you played the late news game with A.J. Dillon, you were rewarded as long as you stuck with him. But yeah, it was a it was a really bad day for the chalk. A lot of people posted some of the worst cash lineups I've ever seen, myself included on DraftKings. But that's why you play multiple sites. If you just like ran our optimal on other platforms, like we had Leonard Fournette in the optimal on Yahoo. So you didn't even have to make decisions. You just ran that. You blindly made money. We didn't have McCaffrey in the optimal on FanDuel. It preferred Dalvin Cook. And even though Cook got hurt, he significantly outperformed McCaffrey. So I think it's just more credence to playing across platforms. Sure. On Yahoo, I was looking at a few of my lineups and Godwin in the fourth quarter had negative 0.3 fantasy points. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. yeah. Mike Evans, man. Yeah. Gronk was solid. Let, Leonard Fournette was the one. And it's funny because when you look at these, these spots and that's why I like these showdown slates, people love targeting the passing game. And oftentimes that's where you want to go, but sometimes you'll get weird games where Brady will drive them. Like for example, yesterday, Brady will drive them down the field and you'll get to the goal line and Leonard Fournette will punch it in three times. And then the one passing touchdown goes to him as well. So yeah, I mean, weird stuff happens, particularly on these show, not particularly on showdown slates, but it's isolated. So it feels more strange when it happens on these, but all right, let's dive straight into it. Happy to have you guys with us as always hit that thumbs up. If you haven't done so yet and subscribe to the channel, what are we at? Okay. Almost at 67,000 cruising the 70k soon we're going to be at a hundred thousand thanks to you guys and appreciate your support i know even some of you on the west coast right now are watching right as it turns six o'clock out there in california and everywhere else so appreciate it happy to have everybody here hit that thumbs up and if you want to join get those badges the emojis and all that good stuff that comes along with it hit that join right under the thumbs up all right matt let me go to you we've got seattle on the road against washington this game's essentially a pick. I mean, it's gone back and forth throughout the week. Russell Wilson, though, has been, I mean, I think it's fair to say he's been terrible recently. His, he, he's not connecting on passes. His completion percentage is down. His yards per attempt is down considerably. He has zero touchdowns and two interceptions since returning to action back in week 10. And granted, he hasn't had the easiest of matchups. He also fumbled and lost. He didn't lose any, uh, but he fumbled twice last game. It's been a really rough go for Wilson. Can they find the recipe to fix what's going on with him? Or do you think he's still playing banged up? What do you think it is with Wilson? Because until we diagnose that, we're going to have trouble with this slate in general. Yeah, I think a lot of it just comes down to like bad luck in terms of football play. You have two interceptions in the red zone against Green Bay. Those are, I mean, they make bad decisions, of course, but Wilson has a long sample of being like a very efficient quarterback. So a couple of those plays go the other way and you're looking at more of a shootout game and not the complete disaster we saw against Green Bay. And then last week, the Seattle team moved the ball fairly well. You look at what happened to them. They went two for 10 on third downs. Like you're just not going to get it done. You can't convert third downs like that. And we've seen Russell Wilson play extremely well throughout his career. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett still there and healthy. The run game, I mean, we know Pete Carroll likes to run the ball, but this is something that they can still rely on their premier their premier pass catchers to, I think, move the ball. And I, I basically, since he's come back, I think it's been a lot of these bad luck situations. And we need to continue to see what happens with this sample. But just such a long sample of Russell Wilson being efficient. I'm not really worried about it. I would look towards the over here. It's at 47. But again, two red zone interceptions, two of 10 on third downs. I would be shocked if that continues. You have any concerns with Wilson coming into this one after a pair of ugly games, A.B.? 
Um, yeah, I mean, eventually you have to start thinking about it, right? If people are thinking about it with Mahomes and thinking he might be a little off, well, hell, I mean, this is year number 10 for him, for uh, Wilson, and he definitely needs to turn it around. Um, he is the guy now. Without any run game support, uh, he has to do it through the air, and he's been running around back there, but he got to take care of the football. Um, there are some concerns, but I'm with Matt on this one. Like, I don't think it continues. Uh, he And this is, I mean, this is the perfect spot for him, honestly, uh, with a team that, I mean, they're ranked, they can stop the run, I believe it is. They can stop the run, but they haven't been very good against the pass um, throughout the season, so it might be a good spot for them to, for DK Metcalf and, and uh, those guys that wake up and start making some plays. So, I mean, even if it, even if it is a concern, right, how much can we really do about it on a one-game slate where you only have two quarterbacks, right? Like, what are your alternatives, A.B.? If you're not going Wilson here, sure, you can, you can maybe go to the ground game. You can go Heineke and run it back with, with, with some different op- alternatives. You could go deep. We've seen some defenses in the optimals. Our boy Alex Osimo himself just took down 300K because he had a captain uh, defense. But I don't really know what the alternatives are if we're saying, yeah, I don't really have much faith in Wilson. I might get away from him today. I mean, you, you definitely be contrarian if you, if you would uh, um, be able to stomach fading him. I mean, that's, I think that's a, that's a strong stance right there if you fade uh, Wilson. Because anything that Seattle does, if, it, if this right here does get into a shootout, it will be because of Wilson. It, everything will come through him. I mean, it'll be whether he's passing the ball. I mean, I can honestly see him running for, running for, I don't know, 40 yards tonight and maybe a touchdown because they, the Washington football team, their uh, defensive line does get after you. So they're not going to allow him to sit in the pocket and just wait. So he will have to get out of the pocket and make some, make some plays with his feet. So, I, I, there's no chance I fade him. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm with you. You gotta. He will be a part of that. Um, that the top lineup uh, tonight. Matt, he has a 16.6% top play probability in our showdown single game top plays tool. Entirely free today, by the way. You don't have to pay. You don't have to sign up. None of that. If you want to follow along, it's under the NFL DFS dropdown. It's the second highest on the slate. He has uh, 11% optimal captain probability, 70% that he's two through six. So obviously, Matt, despite all of these woes, it does align with what you're saying. You kind of just have to trust that Russell Wilson and our numbers suggest the same, that Russell Wilson isn't nearly as bad as he's been over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, you could chalk some of it up to Russ, Russ just from being out with the injury. Again, there's just such a large sample of him being a good quarterback. And even some of the concerns we saw with Mahomes, if you want to mirror it to that situation, Mahomes had a couple bad games, and then he comes right back and has an eruption spot. So, I mean, we certainly know what the range of outcomes and the ceiling is with Wilson. And if you're playing these large field tournaments anyway, what you're chasing is that ceiling. So I don't really care about the floor. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose anyway. So what is the ceiling with Wilson? And we know he has it. You referenced one of our fantastic tools, just our, our top plays our top stacks tool for showdown and Wilson, you're getting a lot of leverage with him right now. And I think a lot of that is coming in the utility spot right now. It looks like we're not calculating utility ownership in this. So the leverage is a little bit broken, but yeah, because I just, I just messaged someone. It looks like we don't have salaries in there yet. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But Wilson, I mean, like you referenced still has the second highest percentage of being the top scorer on the slate. So without a run game, I mean, no, Obviously, no Chris Carson, no Rashad Penny, no Travis Homer. Perhaps they lean a little more on the pass. Over on Odd Shopper, too, we've got Wilson with an, a 60% expected win rate over his passing yards, 242 and a half uh, over at Bet Rivers. Uh, that's the best bet on this right now. By the way, I, like I say all the time, if you guys are, are betting on props, use this tool. Like Miles Sanders, if you would have waited until late and then just taken it at any book, you would have been hurt yesterday in a bunch of spots, but we talked about it the day prior or on Friday, you could have gotten him at 58 and a half, 58 and a half. We would have told you where the best bet is. It's totally free too. what the expected win rate expected ROI and what our projection was for him. And you'd have hit that you'd have cruised over it. So if you're looking to get in on some of these and you're using odd shopper already, use it in the morning, use it before these lines start to get closer and you'll start seeing them become closer to our projections, which is a good thing 
We want to get in on that early. We've got him projected at 260.7 uh, yards right now. So that, that seems like a good overspot. Now, Matt, what about the pass catchers here? Uh, and then AB, same thing to you. DK Metcalf, um, Tyler Lockett. Both of these guys are going to go as Russell Wilson goes. And while Lockett is more of that big play kind of boomer bust guy, not to say that Metcalf can't make big plays himself because we certainly know he can. Uh, both of these guys have that slate breaking upside, but they also, again, it really, they do go the way that Wilson goes. And we've seen that over the past couple of weeks. I think in your low risk contest, you just end up playing them both. Neither are particularly expensive in the context of a single game slate. Like we've seen them both above 10 K at times. If you're just playing one of them, typically I just look at ownership and salary and look at who's cheaper right now. There's not a big discernible difference between the two in terms of ownership. They're just two two percent apart so getting dk metcalf cheaper i think gives you a better roster construction overall so in a vacuum it would be dk metcalf if you're playing multiple lineups i i would suggest either playing both or mixing your exposure to them i'm not going to sit here and try to like decide which one i think is going to have the big game because ultimately it's probably like a 50 50 yeah i mean ab the only real difference is salary at this point right i mean is, is there, do you have a, a big difference or in, in preference between either of them? And how much does that salary difference work into it for you? Oh man. Uh, just what that extra salary helps me get to, I guess Um, that that's what it'll probably come down for me. I mean, if you look at just the last game, uh, Mickey, I've had four, I think he had four catches, but he didn't, he only went for like 30 some yards. And then he got the same or four catches for Lockett and he's over a hundred yards. He's not the, in my opinion, I think, I'm like, Matt, either could go off, but if you look at the season and you look at the how many, what they've been doing fantasy-wise, just on average, you have to think Metcalf, I mean, I think he brings more of a mismatch for the Washington football team um, than Lockett does, but Lockett's a, Lockett's a different player when he gets streaky, man. I mean, there was there was a time last year, I think uh, he went off for like three, three touchdowns in a game, and it was like, I mean, you had to have him. You had to have him. So he's he's one of those guys. Um, maybe mixing in the tight end, um, I think will be will make it a little different because I think most people will go if they go Russell Wilson, they're gonna go one if not both DK Metcalf and Lockett. Lockett went for three touchdowns twice last year. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's why Matt. We talked about it all summer. Lockett's a great DFS play. He's not a guy I want to have in redraft leagues. And I started kicking myself after the first two weeks this year. He was huge, right? 278 combined yards, ton of targets, three touchdowns. And then the inevitable happened. Even before Wilson went out, Lockett came back down to earth. He started becoming one of the more erratic players in the league. But on a night like tonight, you don't care about what he's going to do for the rest of the season or what he's done beforehand. You're just looking for him to have that big game potential. And that's exactly what he does. And as far as red zone targets go, this is the one thing that differentiates it a little bit for me on the season. Metcalf, this guy, I was looking at this, something and this can't be right, but it is Metcalf has 11 red zone targets. Nobody else has more than four and Lockett has three. Yeah, I, I don't use a lot of red zone target share. It makes sense with Metcalf. I mean, he's just the bigger receiver. So if you're going to throw jump ball phase, which is a low percentage play anyway, you would do it to Metcalf. So I like, I'm not surprised by it, but I don't think it's too meaningful. Like that's a 14 target sample between the two. So I'm, it's not something I'm going to use or at least weight heavily. If you want to break a tie between the two, I think that makes sense. But I mean, ultimately between the platforms, like I ran optimals for DraftKings. So if you're playing cash, low risk contests, like playing them both is just what you should be doing. They're both in all of the optimals. On FanDuel, you have one less roster spot and it favors Lockett. That's because he's cheaper on FanDuel. On DraftKings, if you were to run just one of them, it would be Metcalf because he's cheaper. And I think you could play one or the other on, on both sites, essentially. So ultimately these, we're talking about like two of the top four plays on the entire slate. Like you should be playing a lot of Metcalf, Lockett, and I think you can play them in the captain spot with ease. You guys mentioned the three touchdown games for Lockett. If he scores three touchdowns, of course he's outscoring Metcalf, but he's also outscoring Wilson, especially on DraftKings, just because of the raw PPR scoring. And we've seen them both pop up for elite games. So it could very well be Metcalf that does it too. Absolutely. And they basically have the exact same target share on the season. So 
one of these, AB, I'll say this before we move on. One of these guys is going to be in the optimal tonight. It's just, it, it, uh, if, if it's not, then I'd be shocked. But it certainly feels like at least one of Metcalf has to be there in the optimal, not as a captain, but just in that conversation because there really isn't much else. Like Matt said, these are two of the clear top four options on the slate. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm personally, I'm going, and this is just my personal feelings towards it. If it goes 50-50, I, I played, uh, I was drafted to the Bears with Metcalf's dad, with DK's dad. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah, I remember when Metcalf was a little itty-bitty, little bitty thing now, skinny, and then I look up and he's this freaking monster. I'm like, yeah, he's he is a guy? monster. <laughs> like, man, so he, I remember when he was tiny. I'm talking four or five years old, and now he's that dude. So if it comes down to 50 50 on the fence, I'm going Metcalf. I'll be okay. <laughs> just, this is just a personal thing, right? This I mean, you know, thing. <laughs> that picture that came out before the draft of him. Oh, man. Oh. Well, I mean, oh. he, he looked like something you'd see out of Transformers. I have, a, I wish, I mean, I, I have it. I have the picture and hopefully they're on another, uh, another Showtime or Showdown slate. Listen, I'll, I'll put that picture up of him and my son. I'll show it to you. He is the skinniest thing. When he was like five years old, you're like, there's no way he grew up to be that. Well, <laughs> you know? do you remember, Matt, do you remember when I asked AB, he had that, uh, the, is it his picture on our Slack? Maybe I think it is. Oh, and I was yeah. like, what? I was like, dude, you were jacked as a kid. What were you, eleven? He's like, nah, I was four. Yeah, I remember that picture very well. Little kids aren't built like that. No, they squatting at four. Listen, Metcalf, and you think Metcalf was like that? Wait till I show you this picture. He's not. He is That's a pretty little kid, man. Skinny, and he got down. They moved from Chicago, moved down to Mississippi, and they. I guess they drink some different water down there. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Goliath. He really is, man. He's something else. Anyway, uh, running back position, AB. <laughs> I know sometimes we talk about injuries doing these showdown shows, and people are like, oh, why do these guys matter? All of these guys matter on slates like this. It's not a 12-game slate where you can just ignore some injuries that would seem irrelevant elsewhere. But Rashad Penny, who is just – it's a shame, but he is – always hurt the guy i don't know if he'll ever if this is it well this was the this is last con last year on a rookie contract late first round pick things didn't work out there uh he's out and then travis homer's also out which means that unless you bring someone up and i'm sure they'll bring someone up from the practice squad we might just see alex collins and dj dallas be the only guys to get work last week penny and homer did combine for 13 snaps and 26 percent of the backfield snaps so uh, it looks like it could be a Collins and DJ Dallas day. The only thing that sucks about that is that DJ Dallas actually got a decent amount of work and got that carry inside the 10 yard line for the touchdown last week, or maybe it was the 15, but you know what I'm talking about. So he gets uh, the last game. He had what, four carries and I mean, he had the touchdown. He had a couple yeah. of targets out of the backfield for me. I just, that's just not enough. I think we can find more and be a little more contra uh, contrarian to the field, I think, with putting a tight end there, honestly. I mean, unless you, unless you, like Dallas is 7,800. Um, what, Everett is 93. These are so, captain prices too, by the way. These are captain prices. Yeah. So, yes, those are captain prices. So, I'm not, definitely not putting them in the captain spot. So, let me switch that up. Uh so Everett is 6,200 um, and Dallas is 5,200. So there's a thousand, there's a thousand dollar difference there with Dallas and Everett. And I don't see a lot of people going to Everett, which I think if I'm going to play the role of this, this game being one of those shootout type games, I think Everett will be a product, a part of that from the Seattle side, as opposed to playing the running back. Yeah. Look, I have no problem with that. I'm certainly not over here riding for DJ Dallas. My only concern was that Matt, it did feel like last week, uh, Alex Collins just started getting less work and DJ Dallas was the one that was in there late in the game, getting a lot of these snaps. I don't know if that's any indication of what we see tonight. And oftentimes it isn't, but, um, you know, if it is, yeah, DJ Dallas had a two yard touchdown. So it was a goal line look for DJ Dallas. 
I have some concerns here that late in the game when they were down by, what was it, a score or so, DJ Dallas was getting the work. But does that, do we still have to go back to Collins today? I don't think you have to play either of them. I think for the sake of being contrarian, they're, they're decent options. Just because you sometimes, like what Alex did with the defense captain, it's not always about being contrarian, but like what do you win when you are contrarian? So playing one of these guys or even potentially them in the same lineup, Seattle is still a one-point favorite. They love to run the ball. Even last week when they were down, they were still very, fairly balanced. And taking the air out of Russell Wilson sails a little bit, which is interesting. I don't agree with it, but that doesn't matter what I think. It's what we're trying to predict Seattle is going to do on the field here. As favorites, and if this they get up by a touchdown or play above the spread, you could see a large dose of not just one of them, but them both. I don't understand why DJ Dallas saw extended work. He's a wildly inefficient player, even going back to his college days at Miami. The guy averages 3.5 yards per carry, and Alex Collins isn't the most efficient back himself, but he's certainly more efficient than DJ Dallas. Ultimately, I don't have a lot of faith in Pete Carroll and this coaching staff evaluating their playmakers and playing to their strengths. So maybe you do see DJ Dallas. Yeah. Uh, what's his ownership right now? That probably matters, right? Neither of them are particularly owned. Collins is, is 33%, and only six of that is coming in the captain spot. DJ Dallas is way lower than that. He's at 12 and a half. Yeah. AB, that's my problem, is, is eight, 12 and a half percent on a guy that might play 50% of snaps. Right. Gerald Everett, we can talk about tight end. You did already. He's 22%, so that's not very high. 3% in the captain spot. Is there anybody else you like for Seattle today? Are we taking any shots on, like, Freddie Swain, who always seems to score on these primetime spots? Yes. Uh, I was looking at Freddie Swain earlier. Um, there's always, I think, some room for a uh, Freddie Swain, depending on how many lineups you're, you're going to play. I mean, if, I'm, if I play 10, I put him in two for sure. I'd put him in two just to have him in there um, and then put some bigger name guys in there because I haven't built out a lineup just yet, but I don't know how much it's going to cost to have the big time names for Washington and you got your big names for, uh, for Seattle. So you might need a Freddie Swain at 2,200 to kind of make it all work. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you look at the target shares for this team this year, Metcalf 27%. Lock at 26.5%. And then you've got Everett at 13, Freddie Swain at 11, DJ Dallas at 9. Uh, so all of these guys, while you look at that and you say it's very uninspiring, you still have probably three or four options in this passing game that will at times get opportunities. Uh, they're just going to need to score. For sure. And I think they're becoming better and better GPV plays as they get healthier. So Freddie Swain, he was basically locked in as the wide receiver three earlier this year. They had injuries, not just to D Eskridge, but at the tight end position as well. And in recent weeks, Seattle has drastically increased their usage of 12 personnel. That's with a healthy Gerald Everett, who is athletic enough where they can use him as a big slot receiver. So even though he's labeled the tight end, he's not always playing in line. And when they do that, they use Will Disley in line as their blocking tight end. And Will Disley has been involved enough for his price tag. He's near the stone minimum on DraftKings. So if you play a guy like Disley, he's the access point to both DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, on top of Russell Wilson. So I don't hate Disley. And he's actually been somewhat involved as a pass catcher, too. We know Seattle has a tendency to rotate tight ends historically. But then that squeezes that squeezes the receiver position a little bit. And then just D. Eskridge coming back from injury. He's been a guy they try to get the ball in like these strategic ways. He's actually handled a couple of carries and the guy's a second round pick. He's wildly undersized. So I don't think he'll ever be a full-time player for this team, but he probably plays just enough to hurt Swain. Do you like anything from the kicker standpoint from the defense here? Yeah. Like I, I think Alex taking down 300 K, I think you said it was, is a great example yeah. of why, why you do that. It doesn't look good and maybe it hits twice a year, once a year. But when it hits, you get paid off so well. So Alex, a great example, winning the 300K. And of course, he, he was able to construct with the right pieces around it. But so few people take that approach that when it hits, even though it's unlikely, you just get paid off tenfold, whatever it is, and it's worth it. Just so we're clear, um, he's talking about the boss, not me, okay? I am. <laughs> <laughs> just so we're clear there. <laughs> 
Yeah, Alex Baker. Alex Baker. Yes. Maybe it'll be yes. you tonight, though, AB. <laughs> Maybe so. You like these? Uh, I mean, you're you're someone that's never shy when it comes to getting to a kicker or a defense here. Right. Where are you at on him tonight? I'm not. I'm not on the defenses. Um, I'm not. Uh, I think the kickers can play play a big role uh, if the teams aren't able to finish these uh, drives off in the end zone. But I think there will be a lot of movement up and down the field. Um, I think the offenses will move. And these defenses aren't very good. Um, I think we got to start looking at Seattle as who they are, not how we remember them uh, when, I don't know, when Beast Mode was there, right? So they're not that team. They're not that good anymore defensively. Their offense is going to have to keep them in this game, and Haneke is playing well, and they're balanced right now. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I'm with the over on this one. So, yes, kickers come into play when the over is going. All right. Hey, check out our sponsor, No House Advantage, if you haven't done so yet, and use the promo code AWESOMO to get $50 in a deposit bonus when you sign up for the first time. Again, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Very cool, very cool player prop platform there that, well, the lines are static. They don't change. So many of these other spots, they move them all the time along with the market. Not here, not at No House Advantage which gives you a significant edge. You're building lineups without a salary cap, just overs and unders, no juice on either side. You take a lineup, you put the ones you're most confident in at the top of it, they get the most points. The ones you're least confident in go at the bottom. They get the fewest amount of points. It's not just that, though. It's not just that you can use our odd shopper, our player projection tools, all of that stuff to get the best edge, but we have the No House Advantage player projection tool for free every day of the week, every day of the year, at Awesome Oat, we have the optimal lineups tool specifically for No House Advantage. All of that at awesomeo.com. So it's there's a thousand different reasons to play there, but first, static lines don't change. You can compare them up against what we have projected, what traditional books have them at, and take that and use that to your advantage. Use the promo code Awesomeo to get $50 when you sign up and deposit for the first time. I mean, Matt, the way I see it is you're – your edge is diminished at a lot of these sites where you have the massive you know, 150 entries and everyone has the exact same tools. Everyone knows where the tools are, but it has advantage. There's an edge because you're getting, you're able to take advantage of the simple fact that these props don't change. And so many people don't pay attention to that. Yeah, it's huge. It's uh, I definitely an undervalued piece of the portfolio. If you're playing DFS, betting sports, betting props, you want just to get the best lines you possibly can. And the fact that these don't move is key, especially if you're somebody who is betting a little closer to like the time these games kick off. A lot of the value in just the traditional sports books comes from hitting lines early, but when these don't move, it's a huge advantage. No doubt. Again, like the Miles Sanders thing, taking advantage of that before it moves and these don't move, taking advantage of Kadarius Tony last week before it went up to like 48 and a half receiving yards, you still would have hit it if you got it at 38 and a half. Uh, everything applies over at No House Advantage. Use that promo code. Check them out. Nohouseadvantage.com. You go to the App Store, Google Play Store, wherever it is, and use that promo code Awesome. Get your $50 when you sign up and deposit for the first time. All right, A.B., on the other side of this one, Washington. They're, they've won two straight despite losing two of their uh, best guys on the defensive line. I mean, mm-hmm. use it, losing Sweat, losing Chase Young significant but they're they're playing pretty well right now and i actually want to start with antonio gibson because he has now gotten 12, 43 carries over the last two weeks not particularly efficient all things said but he's getting the work and if this game stays close it's hard to think they don't continue to feed him the rock right yeah i, I think they'll continue to feed him the rock i mean i think that's just how uh ron rivera is uh made like i think that's what he wants he wants to play great defense he wants to run the football he wants to be very efficient in the play action uh, passing game. Um, and then get after the quarterback when you get him in third and long. That's what he wants. So I think that's how he's built this team um, to keep the uh, running back in play. I mean, I think he is the heartbeat of the Washington football team. So who is he going to get the carries? Uh, are they going to close um, once they get in the red zone, when they get close inside the five, they're not going to be throwing it. I think they'll be running the ball and if, they get there, then I think that's when he comes into play a lot. And you, you want to have him, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. And 
Matt, I, I know you talk about red zone targets not being something you weight heavily, but I mean, you have to weight goal line and red zone carries heavily, right? When it comes to a backfield and given how they uh, many teams are are mixing things up and have preferred packages or preferred backfields when it comes to getting inside the 20 or inside the five. For sure. With the running back position, it's just a lot easier to show intent because there's usually just one of them on the field. Right. So if a guy comes out there for 90% of the goal line carries, it's pretty easy to infer that he's going to be the guy moving forward. Whereas in the red zone, you're using two, three, sometimes four or five receivers in the field at one time. There could be a lot of noise there with that position. So I agree with you. The red zone work is a lot more predictable, especially with a guy like Antonio Gibson, who's working complementary pieces. Uh, Jarrett Patterson, who's 195 pounds, and J.D. McKissick, who's a pure pass catching back. So I think you can infer the goal line work is going to be there. With him, however, there are a lot of concerns. The first one, easy enough, is just price. Like he's 200 less than DK Metcalf. And he projects significantly worse than Metcalf. So low risk contest cash games, Metcalf is the easy play over Antonio Gibson. And then ultimately the same concerns are still there from a median perspective. He doesn't get as much pass catching work as McKissich and they've been playing in positive game script the last two games. But what happens if Seattle gets in this game? I know it's a one point spread, but if Seattle plays to that or they get out ahead, you could be looking at a reduced workload for Gibson. He's also been injured throughout the year. You run the risk of aggravation there. And then, Kind of topping everything off, I glanced at our tools and our, our top plays tool has him as significantly overowned compared to what you are getting in that price range. He has a negative leverage score. And if that persists throughout the day, he's going to be somebody I'm underweight compared to the field. So does that, oh, we updated it too. Okay, cool. So we did update it. His, yeah, he does have a negative leverage score. Does that mean you like or have any interest in McKissick then? Because McKissick also not that much cheaper than uh, Antonio Gibson. Right. And his, ne his negative leverage score is, is a lot worse than Antonio Gibson's uh, in that range. It just seems like DK Metcalf Lockett, Some of these other players are the preferred option. And I think that makes sense. They have a more condensed target share there. Ultimately you're still dealing with a split backfield in Washington. Whereas when Seattle throws, you basically know who it's going to. It's the, the two elite receivers with the exception of a few targets here and there. So even though they play the receiver position, I think their workload is more consistent than Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissich. I was actually really surprised to see McKissich have such a high price tag on this slate. It, it was kind of an eye-opener. Well, I thought the same thing, A.B. When you look at McKissick, he is one of the higher-priced options here. He's significantly more well not significant but he's more expensive than than alex collins and what six on DraftKings, only sixteen hundred dollars less than dk metcalf yeah that's that, and that is really surprising honestly that's really surprising he's he's a lot more expensive than uh dallas on uh seattle as well so and mckissick he is the one i mean i think i if i'm looking for what they're going to do in this game, I think they're about the same. Um, I actually like Gibson. I think I don't think Seattle's very good at stopping the run. I think he'll get 18 to 22 carries. And if he gets that, I think he'll he'll pay off with a 100-yard night, maybe a touchdown. If you get lucky, he'll get two. Um, yeah, he isn't worked into the passing game. But three checkdowns and 15 yards, I mean, that helps, you know. Uh, Checkdown, man, just a little two-yard row. He just curl up in front of the center and he gets those little balls just to get the ball out for the quarterback, be kind of a safety valve for Heineke. I think he gets those. I mean, that's, those points are going to add up. I think he's, I, I like the play. I don't like that. He's negatively leveraged there. Um, what Matt was saying. So maybe you come in under the field, but you definitely want a little bit of. Yeah. Look, it, the one thing I love about Gibson is if they do get in the red zone or they do get towards the goal line, He's the only one getting those opportunities. At okay. least we've seen, yeah, since he came back from that injury, since they returned from a bye week and he was healthy, he has all five goal line carries, all seven carries inside the 10. And among running backs, he has 14 of 16 inside the 20. So that that's what I like to see. The Matt, the, the only reason I say that, right, is because if there's one thing we know, and I'm with you on the price, it's not like he's particularly cheap either. But if there is one thing we know, touchdowns are king on these uh on these showdown slates so 
if they do move the ball and they get it close to the goal line and McKissick ends up falling in for two, I'm sorry, uh, Gibson ends up falling in for two, you're definitely going to need him. But I do think there's an argument to fade him too, because if Gibson doesn't get in the end zone, I'm, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but you're going to have to with these slates in a case like this. It's also possible that he doesn't fall into the end zone. And then you're looking at a guy who probably doesn't have a ton of pass catching upside and might not be particularly efficient on his attempts. Yeah, you're 100% right. He definitely has upside, and that's reflected in our tools, even though it, it suggests that he is over-owned. That doesn't mean you can't play him. And if you're playing multiple lineups, you probably should play him, and you just need to be a little more cognizant of how you're building lineups with that in mind because he does have the negative leverage score. And again, this is all based on price, ownership, and projection. So if the ownership comes down throughout the day for whatever reason, maybe he ends up being a positively leveraged score. So make sure to monitor this through the day. And I also think if you're playing 150 lineups, you should just naturally have some anyway, just because he has a negative leverage score doesn't mean you're not playing him at all, especially because the ceiling is there and you laid out the bull case for it. I think it's Washington. Maybe they get the opening kickoff and they get up in the game right away. And Gibson scores the red zone touchdown. And then he retains that role throughout the game. So there is clearly a ceiling. There has been one. Nice re guy, Go ahead, AB. Matt's such a nice guy. Lofty says he Lofty says that Gibson may fall into the end zone twice, or he may not. And you're like, you're 100 right. Well, hell yeah, he's 100 right. <laughs> well, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. This, this this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. There's an argument for both sides of this one. There's some guys that are just like objectively not good plays, but I think with Gibson, the opportunities are going to be there. Is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You knew what I was saying, A.B. I Get out of here I with did. that shit. <laughs> but I'll tell you this much. There is one guy on this team that has been a clear like, upside play, highest upside option on Washington all year long, Terry McLaurin. Mm -hmm. if, if there's been one guy that can just completely change the face of, of this, of, of any game Washington's playing, and even main slates, it's McLaurin, right? He's got a 30 spot this year, a 33, a 28, a 24. And then he just disappears at times as well because they're not the most efficient offense. But, uh, I mean, if anybody can just put up monster numbers here, AB, it's Terry. How do you prioritize him along with the likes of guys like Lockett and DK Metcalf? Oh, man. Honestly, I, I, I don't – Washington's uh, – I'm sorry, uh, Seattle's – TVs and their pass defense is a little better than I think what what they've been what they're giving credit for. They're about middle of the pack. I I think it's gonna be running the football is where Washington's gonna really attack these guys. And he's so much more expensive than DK Metcalf. Like it's just like mm, I don't know. I don't see him having that big a game better than Metcalf to be four thousand dollars or more. You know so. And not to mention what you said. I mean, he's, they're not very efficient. And he, it's not like he's peppered with 15 targets a game. I mean, last game, I think he got seven. So if it was 15 targets, then he's going to get all that work. But I just don't see that happening. And him being that much more than Metcalf, I'm more likely to get away from him. Honestly. Matt, what about you? I, I feel the same way as AB. And it's very similar to Antonio Gibson, where he does have a 13% chance, according to some of our projections, of being the highest scorer on the slate. With that said, he's still over-owned in both the captain spot and utility spot for his role. And I think that comes down to you just have Metcalf and Lockett at a cheaper price. So not only do they have, I, I think it's probably close to equal upside. Maybe you could poke some holes in the volume just because it's split between the two of them and McLaurin's a pure alpha. But the ceiling is also very similar with those players. And they're on the team that's favored, so slightly higher implied team total there. So I do have a preference towards the Seattle pass catchers, but very similar to Antonio Gibson, the ceiling is there. And again, a lot of this is going to come down to ownership, price, and projection throughout the day. And I'm seeing right now that our ownership projections are free today, so you can follow this throughout the day and check on it yourself. If ownership changes, you could maybe take a stand and play McLaurin or Antonio Gibson if it changes. And again, we update this tool throughout the day, so keep your eye on it. Where did you see that they're free? Right on the top of the page. Awesome O-Top Showdown and single plays for DraftKings and FanDuel Yahoo in parentheses, free today. Where? I don't I'll see. Post, I'll post it in the chat. I'm, I, it's I think that's wrong. 
then maybe it was yesterday. I don't know. It's at the top plays tool is free though. I know that. Okay. That's probably what I'm looking at. I don't know. Just check them all out. Go over to awesome. See what's out there. You know, that's the, the top. To it is it. the top plays tool. You're right. But ownership is on the top plays tool. Top plays. Yeah. Uh, NBA player rankings are free. NHL ownership projections are free. Uh, oh, and how would I forget cyber Monday deal? We've got, let, let me, let me see what this uh, wonderful promo code, code is today. I'm assuming it's just cyber. There we go, boys. Okay. Let's keep it simple around here. Cyber C Y B E R. This is an amazing one, right? We did stuffing last one for NFL express pass for a dollar. This is better. 75% off your first week of awesome. plus platinum 75% off uh, the entire week. That's every sport, every tool, all of which are created by awesome himself. Alex, the other AB, not this one, as Alex pointed out. I'm sure they'd be great, though. But uh, awesome himself, the one that just took down north of a quarter mil and has won millions of dollars using these tools, uh, all on the site. Ownership projections, player projections, top stack tool, top showed all of our showdown content, the lineup builder, you name it, for 75% off. It's like, what, it's $7.50, $7.50. Every sport, football, basketball, hockey, MMA, PGA, eSports, anything. If there's contests out there, we got content for it. So take advantage of this. I'm assuming it just goes through today. Yeah, through tonight, through 11.59. So that would be through today. Uh, use the promo code cyber. Go to awesome.com slash promos. You don't even have to click or you don't even have to type it in. Just type, uh, click the button when you get there. Cyber for 75% off everything on the site for the entire week of Awesome Plus Platinum. All right, cool. So, AB, I do want to ask you this, though. If you're lower on McLaurin, now he does have almost a 30% target share. They just don't throw the ball a ton. That kind of means that, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of have to be a little bit higher on someone like Gibson just because if McLaurin isn't getting those 11, 12 targets, we're likely going to see more of a ground attack with Washington, or at least that's how I would assume you'd project it, right? Correct. That's that's where I would that's where I would be. Um, I think Gibson, well, Seattle's team isn't very good at stopping the run. I think that's the game plan you come in with if you're Washington. Um, that's the game plan you come in with. So you don't come in with the game plan of throwing it around. And if McLaurin, if he actually goes off, you just don't want him to go off and have. I don't know, eight catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns, then you're in trouble. But at some point, you got to make a stand here because you can't have everyone, right? So uh, I, that's where I see this game going. Yeah, they might throw it around a little bit, but once they get in the red zone, it's, it will be Gibson. So I'm hoping Gibson falls into a couple of touchdowns, you know? Or he might not fall into a couple or of he touchdowns. Might not. <laughs> Matt, I don't know how we forgot to mention this, but Chad Counts just mentioned it in chat. Uh, the top plays tool has ownership on it. Yeah, that's why I said. You did? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about like our ownership projections page. I got I you. Probably, I probably worded it really poorly. So. I got you. You're right. Okay. So, yes, the top plays tool has ownership and it has the probabilities, top captain and all of that stuff, top overall play. So, my fault. I stand no, I'm pretty sure I said it like a bozo. So definitely not your fault, but it's, we'll share the blame on this one. What are you doing with some of these peripheral options? Logan Thomas is expected back. And I just want to throw this out there. Okay. It appears that Ron Rivera, when a, when a tight end gets hurt, just decides that he's going to find another tight end and play them for every single snap of the entire game. Right. If you look at Logan Thomas, this guy was playing basically every snap before he got hurt. Uh, and then Ricky Seals Jones came in. No, he was Logan Thomas played hundred percent of snaps in all three games. He's healthy. Then Ricky Seals Jones came in and played hundred percent of snaps. And then John Bates played 99% of snaps last week as well. So can we, can we expect Logan Thomas to come in and play, you know, almost all of the snaps again today? I think you can. I, I try to dig into some of the rhetoric around the team this week and figure out, all right, what has Logan Thomas been doing in practice? How long has he been practicing? And he's actually been practicing for a while. It seems that they've been pretty cautious with him. So maybe his conditioning is a little bit better than the typical guy that gets rushed off injured reserve. It, it seems like they really took their time. And everything that's come out of the Washington beat has been positive on Logan Thomas. So I think there's a chance maybe it's not 100% of the snaps. But even if you get like 75%, that would be really good for him. 
it's really interesting to see how Washington uses tight ends. It's very rare in the NFL for this to happen. Perhaps it is just either, you know, they view Logan Thomas as the one, Seals as the two, Bates as the three, and they prefer them in that order according to talent, so they don't mix them at all. I, that's a little surprising, but it makes it pretty easy for DFS purposes and projection purposes. We know they want to get Logan Thomas the ball, and they clearly view him as the number one tight end. Where are you at on someone like Logan Thomas this week? Seems like he's reasonably priced, eh, babe? Yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I like him. I mean, you look at his uh, you look at his splits, his away and home game splits. I mean, he's had the two home games he's played. He's had ten targets in those two home games. I mean, you you're gonna get a guy on the field. I mean, it's pretty hard to catch a damn football if you're on the sideline, right? So he's gonna be on the field a lot. And when they do call a pass play, he's gonna be a target. Um, so I like him. I like him more than uh, let's say a off running back or even Everett or Collins or somebody like that. Like I like, I like Logan Thomas better than that. And it may, and it'll definitely open it up so you can get uh, more guys. So the way I'm, the way I'm vision, vision and building out this lineup, he'll be in it. He'll be in 80% of them. I like him a lot. I like Logan Thomas a lot as well at that price point, especially given that, like we said, he's probably just going to be on the field a lot unless we see some limitations coming in. Uh, Matt, wrapping up the skill players for Washington, Curtis Samuel's questionable uh, again, and he's just had an injury-riddled season. He, he he didn't play till week four, then he played two games uh, and has been out since week five. And then you got Adam Humphreys, another one who is questionable coming into this one as well, uh, has been, you know, pretty, he's been integrated into the offense a decent amount, but None of these guys are exciting, but if they do sit, does that open anything up? And if they play, do we have to consider them at their price points? So I think Curtis Samuel is going to be on limited snaps no matter what, it seems, because of the injury. I think Logan Thomas isn't going to play 100%, but I don't think he'll be as limited for the receiver position as a whole. I think the pecking order in a perfectly healthy world is Terry McLaurin 1, Curtis Samuel too. And then it appears DeAndre Carter has kind of worked ahead of Adam Humphreys a little bit. They don't necessarily play the same position, but I think Humphreys has the most concern of the group. He's been behind DeAndre Carter in terms of targets and snaps and routes. And now you have Curtis Samuel coming back. Curtis Samuel who often operates out of the slot, which is where Adam Humphreys plays exclusively. So I think if all four of these players are healthy, which of course we know McLaurin and Carter are going to be, but if Samuel returns, I don't think it bodes very well for Humphreys in a world where Humphreys is out. I think you could throw a dart on cam Sims because we know Curtis Samuel is going to have some limited snaps. And when they're in three wide sets, if Humphreys is out and Samuel is limited, who's the player that comes on the field. I'm guessing it's cam Sims. Yeah, I, you're probably right. And then you when can it comes see that to rotate, like Dax Milne's played a little bit too. When it comes to Deandre Carter too. I mean, you've seen, AB scored in what three straight games now. Mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily know if that continues or not, but uh, maybe this is someone that Taylor Heineke is looking to get the ball to in the red zone. It appears to be the case recently, at least when you look at them over the last few weeks, he leads the team in red zone targets ahead of even Terry McLaurin. But like Matt said, yeah, it's, it's only a small sample, but he's definitely been used quite heavily. Well, it's not to say that he doesn't trust McLaurin. Cause I think he does. Of course. He's the, he's the alpha male over there as far as the receiving core but they definitely trust uh deandre carter um in the red zone when things are a little tighter when you got to put the ball up and your guy has to go up for that 50 50 ball so they definitely trust him um i think he will if they get in that red zone the way i'm playing i'm hoping he doesn't get many targets i'm hoping they run the ball but uh i think you can make an argument that he should see a couple red zone targets or get an opportunity to score a touchdown um, in this game. So I like Carter. Um, his price point is, he's 5,600. I mean, he's right. Is he going to score more than, let's say, slot, I guess. So, I mean, I, I think I think he's right around that area. Is he, if he gets a touchdown, then he's, he's going to be great for you. But um, if not, then I'd much rather play, play one of the kickers, honestly. Matt, among all these peripheral receivers for Washington, kind of a tough team to, to, to figure out when everybody's healthiest. If you assume that Curtis Samuel plays, if you assume that uh, Humphreys plays, 
Who do you like most outside? Obviously, outside of guys like McLaurin and, and Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas is a pretty easy option if he's not super limited. But uh, of these other wide receivers, who do you get to in priority order? I think it's Curtis Samuel. And I, even though he's not going to play most of the snaps, I think when he's on the field, they will have things drawn up for him, designed for him. Otherwise, why would you play him at all? It just doesn't make any sense. You want to utilize your playmaker in a way that he's comfortable with. So I imagine they're going to have some plays designed specifically for Curtis Samuel when he's on the field. Again, I, we don't know how much that's going to be, but even in a limited role, I think you have a little bit of security with the touches there. Otherwise you just wouldn't play him. Okay. It's, so with Samuel, it's not a, it's not an ankle. It's not a shoulder or anything. That groin just scares me, man. Cause that thing just, I mean, you can't, I guess we can't just say he might get hurt again, but if you're not 100% coming off a groin or a hamstring or something like that, I mean, we saw it with uh, Hopkins when he came back, I thought, a little too early. In. And Julio. And Julio. And you get a quarter out of them, and they try to turn that, hit that next gear, and it's not quite there yet. So uh, he scares me a little bit tonight. but For sure. And I'm, it, could be, it could be that. It could be the fact that it's been a groin and they waited till he was fully healthy. But with a groin, it's hard to be like fully conditioned. You, you can't just like go out there, go full speed on a groin for, you know, in practice time. So you're, right. you're right for sure. Yeah, man, I tell you, he's in that same exact price range as Carter and Logan Thomas. So I guess the argument there would be if Curtis Samuels ownership is just through the floor then that would make him a whole lot more appealing. So I'd say pay attention to ownership. Uh, the tool's free. You got the promo code uh, cyber to get 75% off your first week. So no reason not to be able to have these tools at your disposal today as well. All of our showdown stuff included. Let's build a lineup, fellas. First, though, quickly, anything on the defense on the kicker for the Washington side, A.B.? Um, no, I I. I... I think it's going to be a big game. I think it'll be a big game for Russell Wilson. So I don't really like Washington's defense, even though I think they will get to him a couple of times, maybe two or three sacks. I think they'll get out of this game. I don't feel they'll score, but the kicker comes into place because in the play, because uh, there's a lot of points going to be scored in this game. And if they don't convert touchdowns, those will turn into field goals and a kicker might become real relevant. Matt, I got to turn this over. We got to build a lineup, and I got to turn this over to the uh, NBA strategy show in just a second. So anything on defense kicker before we build this lineup? No, the football team has a pretty positive leverage score in our tools, which is something I like. And then obviously more interested in kickers in low scoring affairs. And I do think this one scores points. All right, let's do this, fellas. Large field tournament. Um, let's kick it off with you, AB. Captain, who do you want? Oh, man. Oh, okay. Oh, Gibson. All right. Oh, man. I, it's so tough making these lineups, hand-building with the captain uh, running back. But I, I like it. All right, let's go, Gibson. Matt, who do you want at the flags? All right, we're going to work from the assumption that Washington's ahead. So let's take the easy route with Wilson. Seattle playing from behind, throwing the ball. Okay, I dig it. We're going to need some cheap options. I still don't have a problem going with like Gibson and then a Washington pass catcher without Heineke. If we have to, uh, I think Logan Thomas is just too inexpensive. I'll open some salary up for you guys and go Logan Thomas here. You're up, AB. We got three to go. I did like that. I like that one. Um, I, Metcalf. Come on. I'm going Metcalf to go. All right. DK. Matt, 6250 remaining. Two flex players. So 6250 is kind of a tough spot. I think you could go down and play Disley for your stars and scrubs approach. And then you have one elite stud left over. So let's plug in Disley and then maybe you leave some salary on the table or just play a stud. Okay. Let's go Disley. Gives us what? You can play anybody line. Oh. I but gave like, you a really want... tough choice. Because do we want to go McLaurin here since we have already have logan thomas uh all right i i could always just go with terry mclaurin and then take logan thomas out and replace him with like a dj dallas or something who's a pass catching back as well you could do that it's not the craziest idea would that work could we fit that yeah you could i know a lot of you guys don't, i know a lot of out there don't like dj dallas but what happens if he does get most of the work today because they're down on alex collins I, I'm in that camp. Yeah, 
It's possible, man. Let's do it. That's what I'm doing. I'm making the executive decision because Logan Thomas was my guy anyway. Gibson, Wilson, DJ Dallas, Metcalf, Will Disley, and Terry McLaurin. So we got the two top guys from Washington without the quarterback and then a four-player Seattle stack. I like it. I like it. Anyway, AB, where yes. can they find you, brother? Oh, man. Um, a Brown 96 on Twitter and 96 96- a Brown on Instagram, it's a boy. Check it out. We'll see if it works. I, I, I think it is. I think. <laughs> and Matt, what do you got coming up, man? I'm on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. Just had the busiest week of the year with college football, but now we're in championship week. We are going to have coverage for every single bowl game. Check that out. And college basketball just getting started covering that as well. All right. Follow me, Lafayette underscore D. Shout out to Mike for producing this show. Stick around. The NBA strategy show coming up next with Josh Ingleman and Adam Scher. Peace. <laughs>